Good morning, and welcome to LifeBridge. Today, Pastor Chris will be getting us ready for Thanksgiving by um, teaching out of Psalm 100, so uh, a psalm about giving thanks. So please t- open your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 100. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab a pew Bible from in front of you. Today's reading will be on 592. Again, we are looking at Psalm 100. Please follow along as I read. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, Please bow your heads with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we we have so much to be thankful for. You have given us so much that it's hard to even begin to fathom it all. You have given us the gift that is this world and all the joys and beauties that inhabit it. You have given us this life and all that we need to be sustained. Lord, you have made each and every one of us shaped us as a potter shapes clay. And above all, you have given us your son, the perfect sacrifice, a gift we did not deserve to pay a debt that we cannot pay. Lord, we thank you for these many gifts. Please help us to hear what Pastor Chris has to teach us this morning from the gift that is your word and help us to remember these gifts and give thanks to you, oh God. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. Well, as you notice, the uh, flags are down, and that's always a little bit of, you know, it's like, oh, the flags are gone, but the mandate continues, and that's good, because we at LifeBridge, it's okay to pack up the flags, and we appreciate what Randy does in doing all of that, but we don't pack up the mandate, because our mandate is his mission And that continues. And so this morning, I want to begin with this question. What is the measure of our mission's involvement throughout the year? Now that the world outreach is over, we had a great celebration of that. And we're making and have made our faith promise commitment. What's the measure of our mission's involvement? And as we have gone in this series of His Mission, Our Mandate, we've seeing that questions like these have a variety of answers. Is it merely giving to faith promise, measuring how much and how consistent? Is it merely sending and supporting missionaries? How many and where do, they, where do we send them? Is it merely our own going and witnessing? How often do we do that and how boldly are we in it? Is it merely praying? How passionately and how fervently do we pray? Well, all of these practices are necessary, as Sam Masters reminded us last week. They are our duty as believers. They are our delight in the Lord. We love Him and long to do that which He has called us to do. And they are certainly necessary in light of the depravity of literally billions of people who do not know Jesus Christ and have never even heard the gospel. But this morning, as we move out of our world outreach celebration and move into this season of Thanksgiving, 
I want to remind us that the measure of our mission's involvement is a life of worship that is enjoyed and shared. A life of worship that is enjoyed and shared. If you remember, the mission of our triune God is to fill the earth with His glory and how the ascended Lord who reigns on high fulfills that mission is through missions with an S through local churches that send and support missionaries to plant, establish, and multiply local churches. And as you heard many times this past week, if you came, you heard missions exist because worship doesn't. Well, what is it then that we are exporting to the nations this morning? What is it that we are sending to the nations and asking them to enjoy? Well, here's what it is. We are offering them a life of worship filled with thanksgiving and not merely thanksgiving. After all, why would they want what we offer if we ourselves don't show our joy in knowing God and share how thankful we are that He cares for us? Uh, Howard Hendricks, professor of mine in seminary, you say, you know, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. Well, if our worship isn't joyful and thankful, why would the nations want to receive it? This morning, I want us to look at Psalm 100 because it's an invitation from God's people to the nations. Not only every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation, but actually to all creation, including every created being and created thing. It's an invitation to enter His presence with thanksgiving. This is an invitation of missions to the nations. So this morning, we're going to see the measure of our missions involvement is a life of worship that's enjoyed and shared. And Psalm 100 is a great place to see that. It's short, it's powerful, it's one of my favorites. It's packed with joyfulness and thankfulness like a stuffed Thanksgiving turkey or a stocking on Christmas morning. Notice three facts about this psalm just so that we understand what it is. First of all, it's a chorus to sing with others in public. Every verb in this passage is in the plural. It's a plural. Enter his gates and his courts tells us that this song was sung in the company of God's people. In verse 2, he says, come before him. And that may mean this song, that part of the song, verse, the first couple verses was sung as they approached the temple. And then in verse 4, it says, enter his gates was likely sung after entering the temple. So this is a song that's entering of God's presence with God's people. Listen, the Bible knows very little about private, isolated, personal praise. And while we totally appreciate all who are listening on live stream, if you are able-bodied, the place to be is in the presence of God with His people. And that's what this psalm is all about. The vast majority of praise in the Bible is meant to be public, done in the presence of God and His people. Secondly, this is a command. 
This psalm is a command to obey by faith in the Lord. And I say Lord, meaning Yahweh, Lord, all caps, the I am God. There are seven commands. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And it's clear with the repeated use of the Lord's name, the only way you can obey these commands is if you know him. If you know him by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for God's glory alone. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. Every verse, in fact, has the holy name of Yahweh listed in it. And the one exception is verse 4, and it says, bless his name. Well, what name is that? It's the name of Yahweh. Thirdly, Psalm 100 is a call to all to worship the Lord with his people. It is a call to all. In verses 1 through 3, it's an invitation to come worship the Lord with a joyful heart. And in verses 4 through 5, it's an exhortation to enter the presence of the Lord with a thankful heart. But don't miss the big idea. This is a call to all, an invitation to all the church to come and worship the Lord in His temple. But one thing we need to get clear, we live this side of the cross. We live in the new covenant area. Therefore, the temple is now who? Jesus Christ Himself. He is the one true God and fully man. He is God and He is the temple that we approach for worship. The temple is also the local church. Why? Because Christ is the head, the risen, ascended head, and we are His body. And just as He is the temple, this gathered local church this morning is a temple in the sense of God's dwelling place to worship Him as a people. And then thirdly, the temple is every Christ follower because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So when we come to worship, we come as Spirit-filled people by God the Spirit to worship God the Father through God the Son who is the living God. So Psalm 100 is a call to all to enter God's presence with His people. But how do we do it? And how is it a measure of our mission's involvement? Well, Psalm 100 gives us two ways, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. There's two ways to enter His presence. First of all, enter to show our joyfulness. We enter here this morning to joy, to show our joyfulness, regardless of the outcome of the game, regardless of the circumstances in your life, regardless of the trials that face us. We enter to show our joyfulness. And that's the measure, beloved, of our mission's involvement all year long. It should be involved in missions to show our joyfulness in the Lord. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And the first thing that we see is this. Show your joy as you enter God's presence with His people. Show your joy. And how do we show our joy? Well, there's three ways 
in these first two verses. We shout, we serve, and we sing. The first thing we see is we shout joyfully to the Lord. Look at verse 1. It's so simple, it's so direct, but it's a command. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Well, let me tell you, when we watch the Chiefs, when the Royals win the World Series, we shout, we shout. I've been known to knock over lamps. There's videotapes of me shouting, winning the Super Bowl. There's, we, we shout when we're joyful. And that shouldn't stop when we enter the doors of our church, and it shouldn't stop when we gather with His people. We're commanded here to shout joyfully as we enter the presence of our great God. The greatness of your joy is measured by the greatness of our God. Isaiah 12, 6 says this, Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is your God in your midst. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is why we're here. Why here at LifeBridge, we periodically do a holy shout. Because it's good to do this, and you have to work it in to your experience of worship as a gathered church. So let's do one right now. On the count of three, we're going to say, shout joyfully to the Lord. Are you ready? One, two, three. Shout joyfully to the Lord. That was outstanding. There's joy in that. You can't help but enjoy that if you're a believer. And there is power. There is strength in that. When you look in the Old Testament, there's a reason why when Israel went to war, they went to war carrying the weapon of worship, and they would shout the Lord's name, and the walls would come down. We should be loud and proud of our God. Amen? Secondly, serve the Lord with gladness. It's not just shouting to Him, it's serving Him with gladness. Look at the uh, uh, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve here is translated worship in some translations, and both ways are accurate. Why? Because in the Old Testament, service is often equated with worship, and worship is often equated with service. You know what that means, folks? That means the smallest act of service you do, whether it's the nursery, whether it's cleaning up after world outreach, whatever it is, whether it's cleaning the church, the smallest act of service is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And it also means that every act of worship is an act of service. You're serving the Lord when you shout the Lord's name. You're serving the Lord when we as a congregation sing together. That is serving too. And the smallest act of service shows our joy in the Lord, and the smallest act of worship shows that same joy. And we are commanded to both serve and worship. And we're commanded to do it with a joyful heart, overflowing with gladness. We serve out of joy. Why? Because we know God's greatness. We worship out of joy. Why? Because we know God's greatness. You see, our motivation in serving and worshiping is the same. Knowing 
the greatness of God. Why should I serve? Because God's great. Why should I worship? Because God's great. Our manifestation when serving and worshiping is both the same, showing our joy in the greatness of God. And the measure of missions involvement is the same. We stay involved with missions long after the World Outreach Celebration to show our joy in the greatness of God. So we show our joy by shouting, serving. Thirdly, sing to the Lord with joyful singing. Sing to the Lord with joyful singing. This too is a command. Look at the latter part of verse 2. Come before him with joyful singing. Now, these commands should search our hearts. And so here's some of the questions God is asking us in this verse. Do you sing in church? If not, why not? Do you sing loudly in church? If not, why not? Do you sing joyfully in church? If not, why not? See, if the answer is, I can't sing very well, or I don't feel like it, well, I'll be honest with you, I can relate to that. I don't always feel like it. And while I think I sing quite well, my wife and daughter have differing opinions. I remember I went to a funeral and I sang joyfully, not because the person was dead, but because we were praising God. It was a celebration of life. And I sang, and we were walking out, and this elderly lady came up to me and uh, said, Young man, you just sang beautifully. She was sitting in front of me. I said, Wait, right there, let me get my wife. I want to bring her over here. And uh, later she said she must be hard of hearing. I don't know. But I love to do that. But listen, No matter where you are in the spectrum of ability to sing, Ephesians 5.18 says it's not your ability, but the Spirit's ability that enables us to sing joyfully regardless of our skill, regardless of our feelings. Here's what Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord that comes out of your mouth, joins with God's people, and is an expression that shows our joyfulness in God. You see, singing is not dependent on your ability, but the Spirit's ability. Singing is not ultimately dependent on the style of music, while there's some music easier to sing, and we understand that. But listen, singing is not dependent on your preferences of music style. It's not even dependent on our feelings. It's dependent on whether you're in right relationship with the Holy Spirit who enables you to make melody in your heart and to sing joyfully to the Lord. I preached on Psalm 100 in a small church up in Trenton, Missouri, and this is the first time this had ever happened to me. After I was done preaching, particularly on this point, the young worship leader, very young man, stood up and basically countered my sermon and said, you know, the Lord wants authenticity. You know, don't feel pressure to apparently obey God's command as revealed in Scripture. Listen, folks. We can carry all this type 
of things, of our feelings and our authenticity to an extreme. This is our command as our people. And regardless of how I feel, regardless of my circumstances, regard, and, and circumstances can be dark and they can be deep. Amen? But we can still sing. There is a song even in the night. And the Spirit enables us to sing. And we just sang about it. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I have sang that song in this church with tears streaming down, knowing that things had been taken. But blessed be his name. And I never regret singing in the dark times because there's always a morning. Great is his faithfulness. His faithfulness is new every morning. You look back and it makes it sweeter when you sing that. Having sung it when you didn't feel it, but the Spirit enabled you. So the point is this. How we sing here as a gathered congregation is one indicator of how much we're actually filled by the Spirit and how well we know the greatness of God. Listen, you can, and I'm, I'm trying to cover all my bases here. You can sing loudly and not know God, right? But I tell you, if you do know God, you should always be singing and you should be willing to do so loudly and joyfully. But you might be thinking, Chris, I don't always feel it. And I don't always like singing. And I don't really like singing very loudly. I don't do much of anything very loudly. Well, maybe, too, it might not be those things. It may be that you're stuck in a rut and you're just going through the motions. Well, listen, when you're going through the motions here at church and it's a dead externalism, you're not going to want to sing. But Psalm 100 tells us what to do when you feel like that. And look at verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What does this verse tell us to do? It says, show because you know. Show because you know his greatness, not because you necessarily feel like it, not because you necessarily things are going well. You may even be distant from God. But if you are a believer, show that you know his greatness. Why do we show our joy as we enter? Because we know our God is great and mighty to save. The more you know his greatness the more we show our joyfulness by shouting, by serving, and by singing. How can we know more of God's greatness? Let me give you two ways to grow in your congregational worship by knowing the greatness of God. First of all, know God's greatness by his revelation of himself. The only way to know God is not to uh, examine your navel or uh, look at, out. You, you, you need to get into the Word. You need to see. He has revealed Himself in the Word. And in verse 3, we see this revelation, three important revelations of God's greatness. First of all, God is great because the Lord is God and we are not. 
The Lord himself is God. I like that. The Lord himself. It's like he's saying the Lord himself and not ourselves are God. He And it's Lord in all caps. He is the great promise keeper, the great I am God from Exodus all the way through to Revelation. This is the great I am God. Nothing, nothing, nothing will rob your joy more than thinking and living as if you are God rather than God. Living that way drains you, stresses you, and will destroy you. The Lord is God, and we are not. Secondly, God is great because the Lord made us and not ourselves. He is our creator. He's not only the promise keeper, he is the great creator of all things. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. God is great because he is the creator of all things. There's no such thing as a self-made person in this planet. No such thing. And there's no such thing as a self-sufficient person. There's no such thing as a self-made Christian. In the beginning, God created all things out of nothing. He didn't need anything. He did nothing. Had He spoke, and it was. He created us humans out of the dirt of the ground, and he breathed his life into us. But like Adam, we have all sinned. And so God has to recreate new life in us once again through the gospel so that we are made again to be his people. And back then, it was the nation of Israel when this psalm was first written. But now on this side of Christ's first coming, it is the body of Christ, the church, that he has made his people. But Jesus is coming again to one day restore Israel as his people, and he will breathe new life again into that nation, into those dry bones, and that nation will again be restored in the coming kingdom of God. Listen, there's a future for unbelieving ethnic Israel, and there can be a future for every unbeliever here. Why? Because we don't make ourselves. He makes us out of his creative, redeeming word. And he's the one that saved us. And that's the third reason God is great. Because the Lord saved us, not we ourselves. The Lord, we are his people. He made us that. He is the redeemer who can free you from sin, from Satan, and from self this morning. You can be set free to become a part of his people this morning. And when you do, you become sheep of his pasture. That means he's your shepherd ruler. He's your shepherd king. The shepherd in the Old Testament is the king. David was taken out of the sheepfold. He was a shepherd to become the king of God's people. And Jesus Christ is the great shepherd this morning. That is the greatness of our God. And so much of our sadness, so much of our sorrow, so much of our struggle and even separation from God comes when we think and act like we are God. And we forget He is the promise keeper. He is the creator. He is the redeemer and ruler of our lives. But you know what? 
The opposite is true. When you remember that, joy begins to grow. Joy comes from knowing the greatness of our God. He is large and in charge, and that should bring joy to the depths of your soul. He's God, and we're not. He made us, not we ourselves. He saved us, not us. So how do we grow in this knowledge? First, you've got to know him in the revelation of his word. And then you've got to grow. Know God's greatness by your relationship with him. You've got to know him in revelation and then grow in that relationship with him. So let me ask you this morning, the most important question in all of life, do you know the Lord himself in a firsthand way this morning? Not something handed down by your parents, not something handed down by your family, not something that is even handed down from this church. Ultimately, do you know the Lord in a firsthand way? Do you know the Lord himself in a personal way? Not something that's just external, not something that has to be propped up by what is outside of you, but is driven by a transformed heart within you. Do you know the Lord himself this morning in a gospel way? Where it's not something that you have worked for. It's not something that you have earned. It's not something that you could ever deserve. But it's a free gift by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, all for God's glory alone. Now, maybe you can say this morning, Chris, I do know him in a firsthand, personal, and gospel way. And I would shout joyfully in that profession. But I ask you this morning, are you growing in him? Are you growing in your relationship? You say, Chris, how do I do that? The same way you grow any relationship. It's hard work. It is hard work. It takes the same work that you have to put into your marriage or into your parenting or into your friendships. You've got to talk to one another. You've got to listen to one another. You've got to trust one another. You've got to love the Lord. You've got to work things out with the Lord when you feel like you're crossways or he says you are crossways with me. You see, knowing Christ and growing in Christ is our source of joy. And you begin to show your joy even in the hardest of times and people who are lost begin to see it. And they begin to want what you have. You see, missions involvement is a call to all to enter God's presence and show our joy to the lost world. Get to know God's greatness through his revelation in your relationship and then show it by how you shout, how you serve, and how you sing. This is the measure of our mission's involvement all year long. When it gets bad, this is is the measure. Are we shouting joyfully because we know him and we want others to know him? But there's a second way to enter God's presence, and it's the last half of this psalm, and it's this, enter to share our thankfulness. Enter to share our thankfulness. What's the measure of missions involvement throughout the year? 
It should be sharing thankfulness. Look at verses 4 through 5, and here's what we see. The first thing we see in these verses is share your thanks when you enter God's presence with his people. Share your thanks. How do we do it? Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. What do we do? Here's, here's how I summarize it. Enter to express and exalt. Enter to express and exalt. That's why we've come here this morning. How, let's look at it. What's it mean? First, enter God's presence with a thankful heart. And once again, this command is a searching x-ray upon our hearts. Do I come to church on a consistent basis? This is the command. Enter. And you realize that when you don't want to come and you come, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't want to, but you're a believer and you know this command and you enter, 80% is just showing up. 80% is just showing up. And when you show up, God meets you at your point of need, and you will leave. I have never heard a believer say, when I came, when I didn't want to, I regretted it. I've never heard that, but I have heard a thousand times. When I came, when I didn't want to, God met me at my point of need. Secondly, do you come to church on a consistent basis with a thankful heart? How do you enter the gathered people? How do you enter through those doors? Do you come with a thankful heart? If not, why not? How often we come and how we come are both indicators of how much we realize God cares for us in his goodness. We show joy because of his greatness. We share thankfulness because of his goodness to us. So we enter out of thankfulness to, number two, express thanks to the Lord. So we enter out of thankfulness in our heart, and we come to express that thankfulness before God and his people. And how should we express it? How do you express thankfulness God's way? I wish I could develop it. This would be a whole message. It's the, it, it's, it's pat, this pattern is found in all the Psalms, nearly every Psalm, throughout prayers, throughout the Bible. And it's this, you describe how great God is in his majestic attributes, his righteousness, his faithfulness, his holiness, his justice, his, all of that, all of his attributes. And shame on us, because let's admit it, we often don't know them well. And yet they're on every page of Scripture. They're on every page. You describe how great God is, and then you declare how good he is in his mighty acts. So you look at who he is in his greatness of his attributes, then you declare how good he is in his mighty acts. Who he is plus what he's done. And in fact, that's the gospel itself. The gospel is a who and a what. 
It's Jesus and who He is, truly God, truly man, and the gospel is what He's done, the mighty acts, that He lived a sinless life, that He died as a sinless sacrifice and substitute on the cross, that He rose again victorious over death and the devil, and now He ascended and He is seated at the right hand of the Father. These are all the mighty acts of our Lord and Savior. And not only that, He's reigning and interceding, and one day He's returning turning again and his kingdom will come and his will will be done. Israel will be restored. The nations, uh, even the Arab nations, all these nations, there will be a people called out from all of them and the prince of peace will rule. Now that is something to be thankful for. Amen. You don't get that on CNN. You don't get that on Fox News. You get it from God and worship of His people. Amen. That's what we declare. And then when we do it, we enter with thankfulness to express thankfulness, and then we exalt the name of the Lord because it's all because of Him. It is all because of Him. We make much of God because of who He is. He is great. We make much of God of what He has done. He is good. That's what we do. Here's the point. God blesses us with gifts, and then we bless God by praising His goodness as the giver of those gifts. Now, you might be thinking again, but how do I do this, Chris? I just... You know, yeah, you're a pastor, and there's people that I know that are eloquent with words, or they can put things together. How do I do this? I don't have anything to say. I don't know what to say. But once again, God provides the answer in verse 5 of this psalm. What is the answer? Share because He cares in His goodness. We show our joy because we know, and we share His goodness because He cares. He cares in His goodness. Look at verse 5. You want to know how to put into words? For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting or His steadfast love and His faithfulness to all generations. Why do we share our thanks when we enter? Because He cares for us in His goodness. In verses 1 through 3, we know the Lord himself is God. But what kind of God is he? What kind of God is he? And here in verse 5, he's a good God. He's a good God. Meditate on all that he's done for you. Meditate in all that he is doing for you. That which you cannot see that which you may not understand, that which you wish would be different, yet He is working in it. And you will have much to give thanks for, even in the worst and the darkest of times. Why do we share our thankfulness when we enter? Say it with me. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. That's why we enter with thankfulness regardless of what's happening in our lives. First of all, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. But why? Why? Well, the answer is there in verse 5. For the Lord is good. It's who He is. He is goodness. He is 
the ultimate promise keeper. Don't miss LORD in all caps, meaning the goodness of God is found in the fact that He is Yahweh and He makes promises, He keeps promises, and He fulfills them to the letter. This is who God is. God is good, period. He's just good today and always. God is good in the good, in the bad, and even in the ugly. God is still good when cancer, he allows cancer to eat up your body. God is still good when he allows the womb to remain barren or a precious baby to miscarry. God is still good when a loved one dies, when our marriage falls apart, or a missionary struggles with deep depression. Our God is still good when our church faces real, radical, financial crisis. He is good. He is good all the time. And all the time, number two, God is good. All the time, God is good. Why? Well, verse 5 tells us, all the time God is good because His loving kindness never ends. His, his steadfast love, His covenant loyalty, His expression of grace for those He has committed Himself to, it never ends. And all the time God is good because His faithfulness never fails. His faithfulness never fails. It never fails to all generations. You know, it's so easy to think, well, God was faithful back then, but now is different. No, God is not different. God never changes, right? His faithfulness never ends. And it is true to every generation that places their faith in Jesus Christ as their covenant redeemer. LifeBridge, here's something to shout about. And here is something to send to the nations. And it's this. Show joy because you know his greatness. And share thanks because he cares in his goodness. And that's the measure. As we leave world outreach, flags are put up. Posters are down. Missionaries are gone. But the measure of our mission's involvement is this. A life of worship that is enjoyed and shared with all the earth. Look back at verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. This is what we're exporting. And may God help us to show the joy because we know a great God and share the care of His goodness because we give thanks to Him. Let's bow our heads and... And would you bow your heart before God? This is our response time. And I pray that His Spirit has spoken to you. And so as, just in the quietness of this moment, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way? Do you know that He Himself is God and desires to be your Savior? And if you know Him, do you show that you know him with great joy in spite of hard times? His greatness is the measure of our joyfulness. And then let me ask you this. Do you share that he cares with others?
what a shame to celebrate missionaries but not be on mission here at home. Do you share that he cares? His goodness should be the measure of our thankfulness. And listen, all that we have talked about this morning is incarnate, embodied, and manifested in the person, in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins this morning. Turn from selfishness and self-sufficiency and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who embodies the greatness, the goodness, and the grace of God. If you need help with next steps, fill out a connection card. See me at the back. Talk to one of our members here that's near you. We want to show you that you can know him and you can show him to others. Let's pray. Father God, you are a great God and you are good all the time. Your greatness brings us much joy in the hardest of times for we know that you are greater than our suffering, our sorrows, our fears, and our anxieties and insufficiencies. Your goodness brings us much thankfulness this morning, for we know that your love never ends and your faithfulness never fails. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is proof of that. Jesus is the Lord of our salvation and the Savior of our souls, and we shout glory and we give thanks. Father, send us out into this world this week to make you and your Son known in all your greatness, in all your goodness, in all your grace. May our joyfulness and thankfulness show others that Jesus is the King of every nation and this world's only hope. Lord, send us out to show our joy and to share our thankfulness. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.